0: So last week, I was up uh, 2.07%. It's a lot more than I was up. I'll
1: tell you that. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. right I was now. curious. I thought you might. What What did my friend Ja Rule say?
0: <laughs> it's murder.
1: <Let's> <laughs> this podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends, Skippy and Doogles, that like to debate about investing content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only not investment advice you should do your own research and consult a financial professional before using any of the information in this podcast and especially before investing
0: is that a dosaki's hat and a fake pop yep yeah Yeah. figures well i am the most interesting man in the world (laughs) that is true that's what the podcast listeners say let's hop into it man all right. We need a house update, baby. Actually, we don't. We're we're doing listener mail, huh? <laughs> I'm so I mean, excited though. We'll get there. I gotta keep you because I
1: can see you on the edge of your seat right now. I gotta keep you on that edge. Oh, so the edge. are the
0: listeners, baby. I got some I got some hits this week. Like Dougal's has to buy a house, homie. And um so before yeah, before we, we get to the house update,
1: listener mail. So we got two pieces of listener mail, right? And we, we acquire these through uh, at SkippyDougals on the Twitter or SkippyDougals at gmail.com on the email. The, the first is a response to the redistribute the bubble
0: campaign. You, look, you took a look at that. You want to drop some knowledge? Yeah. I mean, so one, uh, we love the feedback because although we haven't identified someone making less than $10 a day uh, just yet, uh, there's a little buzz. And so I'm, I'm pulling some more strings. We're going to find some folks. We're gonna redistribute the the bubble. Um, strike.beta we took a look at it, looks pretty slick. So it's uh basically a money transfer uh, service. Is that what you call it, Dougal's? Five seconds, send money to anyone you want. Yep. It looks like it's early in development, from what I could tell. And maybe the listeners can hit us with some more knowledge, but right now I think it's only USD to USD. So when we find our buddies in Nepal or wherever, we'll probably use a different service, but I love that it was sent our way because I'm gonna keep a close eye on it. It's basically leveraging blockchain technology to send money and uh, there's something there, man. It's gonna take off. I just don't know which service is gonna ultimately rule the day. Yeah, and I think it shows, to what you're saying, it shows like the concept is it's gonna, it's gonna start getting some, some action
1: going on. Um, and it looked real easy. It's like easy, yes, international, no. I think, it's, it's I think like,
0: international, not yet, is, yeah, is all yeah, that's not going yet, on yet. Yeah, Not yet. Yeah, yeah.
1: But that's pretty cool. Thank you for shooting that in. And the second thing we got was something about the Coinbase IPO that I was not privy to. Ooh, I personally I was not worry. privy to. So apparently, our boy, our boy from back in the DZ, was an investor in Coinbase when it was at $143 million valuation in 2013. Do you know is who this, this is? Shroth? Nah, nah. It was written. Il- Nas? Nas, Nas was an investor in Coinbase uh, eight years ago at 143 million dollar valuation. Don't know how much he put into that thing, right? But uh, but it's it's worth a heck of a lot more now uh, than it was then. Even if, even if he took on a little bit of a dilution there. Apparently, and I was taking a look. Nas has some other investments. Like he was an investor in Casper, Dropbox, Genius, Lyft, PillPack, Pluto, Ring. He is not playing around. Uh, my boy, Nas, it got me uh, got me thinking just more about the whole like how much celebrities, whether it's uh, rappers, sports stars, actors, et cetera. Ashton, my boy Ashton, um, yeah. you know, getting involved in, in investments. But it's crazy. Yeah. Nas, Nas hopped in.
0: I mean, that's good because he is the official Queensbridge rapper of the Skippy Dougal show. So uh, he is the official. Um, I can't I can't believe I missed that, actually, because I, I knew Nas's holdings. What was I thinking? He, that's a 13f that i follow closely man yeah you're all about clarman burry and nas <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah thanks for the listener mail keep sending in uh twitter at skippy or skippy at gmail.com whatever Floatuses is your bonuses
0: yeah and keep us coming we're, we're gonna find some folks to redistribute the wealth so uh hit up a friend who has a friend who did some some work with a international organization that might have some contact we're gonna find them so I keep that feedback coming. I got a few hot leads, but nothing yet. All right. So what's the question of the week? Oh, everyone wants to know about Dougal's house. That's all there is. That's it. Yes. I I was hitting on those happy drinks, not the sad drinks, the happy drinks. All right. So here's how, here's how I recall. This is not necessarily facts. I recall you like basically through the kitchen sink and some Dogecoin and a Pixar movie and everything else. Like, at any point after this offer is accepted, did you have a, a momentary uh, spot of regret? Thinking like, I threw too much at this? No, Leroy Jenkins, man. Y'all can plan <laughs> all you want. I'm going, I'm going straight in.
1: And they You're an it idiot, was. Leroy.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but we're,
1: we're so excited. We're so excited. So we, uh, we're going to be moving in like end of the month. And uh, it's going to be hotness, man. I'm real glad you, you got me in that forced savings game.
0: Dude, I'm super happy for you guys. Uh, just, just that you're happy. Like, let's let's throw the financial piece aside for a second. Like that, that's super awesome. I'm so excited. Can we talk about, at a really high level, what this, what you think this means for you? Like, in terms of your momentum investing, in terms of your retirement savings, in terms of just kind of your financial picture, is this going to change things drastically for you, or um, is it more of the same?
1: Um, it's, it's more or less going to be, I think the same, um, because like guess going back to part of the conversation that we had before, what it got me thinking about was, um, when looking at the price of the house and how much we're willing to spend, I looked at it from a, like a rent basis, like, would we spend this amount for rent? And if the, if the answer is yes, then, then basically the, the price of it I'm viewing as less of like the asset, you know, is the, is the ultimate price of the house going to go up and more of, we're getting more than we would if we'd spend this in rent. And it's like yeah. it's well within like our general rent means, so we can still you know save, invest, all that stuff is like it's still golden. Um, it did, as we talked about before, I got the whole like you know cash outlay uncomfortability, yes. like aspect of it. It did, it, it did hurt me a little bit. The good news was though, here here was the good news. So you one might see this as bad news, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it as good news here. The good news was that a lot of our portfolio got cranked this week like it got like not not Kathy Wood cranked like her portfolio just got like nonsense like she's in bear market territory down 25% yeah. but yeah. it got hit right like a, a few points and so it was at a time where my brain might be saying like i could be putting this cash into the market right I'm putting the cash into something else so it's just kind of not that that really mattered in the end i mean we're just gonna buy the house anyway but we're, we're i good. mean
0: back we're feeling like weeks ago though we did have some debate about how much cash you put down and if it might make sense to take on some mortgage insurance to have more cash in uh in no the choice. market all those things What you no choice no choice no. it reminded me of back when um i would i would be playing poker at lucky
1: chances in the bay area and i'd make some the right bet to get someone off their hand yeah. and the guy would shake his head at me throw his chips in and go no choice no choice this market gave me no choice like you you we you, in, the, in this market that we're in right now you cannot go in and be like i'm just gonna put 10 percent, 15 percent down no like it, it, it like it, that's not gonna homie don't play that um it's all just right. not gonna work out so basically i mean the, the market dictated all that I did the calculations though. Like I actually, I built out a model, like we talked about, looked at what, uh, what PMI is not high. Like, so yeah. it mathematically would have worked out to not have put as much down. Like it would have made more sense, but we mentioned that to the realtor like near the beginning and he was like, that's like real cute. What you're talking yeah, about right now, but it's not gonna it fly. Yeah. yeah, and then as, it's as one more potential
0: disqualifying factor with the offer. Yeah, I got you. Exactly. All right. Well, when, hey, when, that's when you're in the market, making
1: Pixar movies, like you can't you can't be trying to skimp out on the on the. Yeah, I game. can
0: make like a few more bucks over here over the next ten years. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: so so we're happy. I uh I saw this paper that I thought was pretty interesting on on housing that I if I I'll just give like a high level yeah, to, but go did you have it. something else you wanted to no creep to? that yeah. Transition. Um. So there's this Harvard paper which I'm only gonna spend about a minute on it. And only I probably wanna go like real, real deep on it. But there was this 150 page uh, paper that some folks from Harvard put together. The actual title of the paper, if you wanna go look it up is House Price Contagion and US City Migration Networks. It's 148 pages. I'm actually in full if I wanna be accurate. So if you wanna go check that out, check it out. But there's a readable version that's called do workers fleeing house price growth take the boom with them as they go? And I'll give you kind of the nuggets so you can know whether or not you, you want to read it. But basically what it was looking at, and part of this is kind of obvious, but I think the math go forward for economists could be interesting. But part of what it's basically about is saying there are certain cities in the US that are, are pretty closely tied together um, and correlated. And so what happens is like, for example, if you say the demographics of this city, the education profiles of this city, the temperatures of this city, like that kind of thing are very similar to this other city, that if the first city becomes too expensive, naturally, people will go to the other city. And while there are something I can't remember the exact number, something like 720, like different quote, unquote, cities that they named uh, in the US, there are that many, but one city might only really be closely tied to like 30 or 40 other cities, like you, the migration networks aren't, are are much tighter than that.
0: Can you give us any of those sister city examples? Like is the Bay Area with New York City? Or is they will
1: only went into a few examples and they did it through like maps mostly so it's it was okay. hard to, to really figure out but they said um in in addition to demographics geography was actually a pretty big driver too and so generally the cities that were connected were within 50 miles or 150 miles so, so it's more like, like, like Austin, San Dallas? Francisco, or san francisco portland right like it was okay. that kind okay. of because because it's it's usually like a um like a hub quote-unquote flagship city that's not what they called it and then like kind of a tier two-ish uh city from an expense perspective So something like that, but yeah, but, but it was, it was interesting uh, to look at. And so I go, go check it out um, because it basically like their economic model uh, was basically saying you can predict like the future price of houses in some of the less expensive cities now, based on the housing price growth of more expensive cities. So if you're into it, go into it. House price contagion and U S city migration networks. What a sexy title Harvard. What a sexy school. Our is not out. a sexist school i know school and record. it's not a school. Right, right, I mean, but I, yeah. I was i was trying to i was nerded out in this thing and i was like no one else is gonna care but i gotta talk about it especially during this housing situation so.
0: yeah speaking of things no one else will care about right this week i don't even know what happened to me and i'm kind of proud of it and i'm kind of ashamed of it but i was going through investing podcasts and like looking at the top ones and being like i don't listen don't to tell any of this don't I, even tell no. me what you're about and, and so I just, I just grabbed numero uno on the iTunes app and I just threw it in the CD deck and, uh, I was jamming, you know what I was jamming to? Well, You put that in the eight track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I listened to the Ramsey, the Ramsey show this week for the very like first Dave? time. Have you ever done? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, God. like once you listen- go there, you never go back. Dude. I listened to like eight hours of content. I was like addicted to this thing. You and love then- that stuff. No, so I don't love it, but it's kind of like a slow rushing car wreck. Like, I, I loved parts of it, and I hated parts of it. And I got to tell you, I was, uh, I was just completely taken by this. It is amazing. Have you ever spent an hour with, with Mr. Dave Ramsey? He and I have spent some time together. It's, it's, um, a, it's
1: binge-worthy
0: cringeworthy and binge-worthy cringeworthy and binge-worthy so first of all let me just say uh lots of solid principles there and i'm gonna make some jokes here but like hey if you're following the 10-step plan or whatever it is the baby steps by all means super cool stuff i was blown away as a first listen and i definitely have some friends and family that have done financial peace university and everything else and again lots of positives there i was blown away i think by almost like this Kind of cult like mentality. That's the wrong way to say it. But people calling up, going, "Here's my situation. Here's all my personal financial details. Like this is how much I make. This is how. what This is this. This is my drug problem. This is whatever." Like, yeah. And and them then them giving like a two minute answer and the, the these individuals being like perfect, not questioning a word. I will go do exactly that. Like I was I was amazed and kind of captivated by that whole thing, man. They this guy called up this guy. He's like, Hey, I have a hundred K left on my house. I'm simplifying here. And my interest rate is 2.5%. And I have a hundred K in equities, like making around 10% a year. Like what should I do? And it no brainer instantaneous. You pay off the house, you pay off the house. Like that's baby step, whatever. And I'm going interesting. Really? Uh, so I understand it's all about getting debt-free, getting that, monkey off your back etc but i just feel like this example became one of so little thought that i was i was almost disappointed in the advice a little bit because i think it's way more nuanced than that i think you can make a very strong argument that hey you have 100k sitting around pay off that house the the free there's all these non-financial things that come with being 100 out of debt like do, do you do follow that Dougal. so i'm not saying this is yeah. just a numbers game but the way they're talking about it, man, if if I had 100K in a CD paying 4% a year, I know those aren't current rates, and I had a mortgage at 2% a year, all I have to do is sit on that for 30 years, and I make more money, right? You know, like, I guess I was just a little taken by that. I'm curious if you have any thoughts where you just purchased a house, and you're going through all these things, with like, how much debt do I take on? Now, in your case, maybe the market dictated, but I guess- I was just surprised at how little nuance and kind of high level or detailed thought there seemed to be in this 10 step program. Like you do this regardless of if it makes financial sense or not.
1: But that's why I was, uh, I was clowning on, um, on Dave Ramsey, not not because of the, the advice or any, any of that stuff. It's just like the, the level of simplicity and lack of nuance that it ends up having. I think because he has to generalize for the most part um, for an audience, like the safest bet. And I think if, if you're if you're looking at this from what's the safest bet, like generally, then you want to do that because I assume what the uh not the math but the like psychology of it ends up being is you never know what your future situation is going to be, and if you end up like losing your job blah 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 blah, it's better for you just not to have debt like you for you not to have forced payments, right? It's probably like what what the psychology is, but the math doesn't work out. If you feel secure in your future income streams, mm-hmm then then I would I would probably have some some semblance of like a I don't know balance I think there like maybe sell some pay off some of the house or something like that but the math doesn't quite work out. Well I guess he's also so, probably saying I mean this thing's about to fall apart. And <laughs> so maybe you should you should t- take the money while you can.
0: No, I think you nailed it and this is actually what I wanted to talk to. I'm guess I'm wondering if in um investing if you want to cast a, a wide net if you have to like really dumb it down and say, I'm not going to like, we're not going to actually do math here. We're not going to actually talk about your situation because, um, what, what I'm pretty sure he would tell you if you haven't bought a house yet and you have your emergency fund set up and all your, you know, you're on baby step five or whatever, he'd tell you, you put tons of cash in mutual funds and you, you invest that nonsense until you're ready to buy a house. Well, that's effectively like, so if I own a house, I can't own equities to make my—I mean, I make around fifteen percent a year, right? But if I don't own a house, I'm allowed to do that, and then am I allowed to take the proceeds from my capital gains to buy a house? Like, it just doesn't really add up. Uh, but I can get off my soapbox here. No, yeah, I agree with that. I think it, it kind
1: of comes back to uh, a conversation that we've had a few times. I think when we talk just around both the the investor to like investment philosophy match as well as um, like generally the psychology and the safety that has to come uh, with investing. And you can't get in, like here, let me, let, me, let, me, let me say this. Like if you look at your investment philosophy and my investment philosophy, right? I, I would say both of them are sound. Yeah. But neither one of us is going to do the other as our core, no. right? No. And I would tell, just like if, if someone comes to me um, and even if they laid out some general details, the average person that comes to me and says, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to say buy VTI, right? As we've talked about, like it's yeah. the broad US uh, index, just buy it and hold it. Like, that's what I would tell them. What I actually think one should do is what I do. I, th- I think you should invest it. Like, that's the reason why I do it. Like you should invest in that. Like that is mathematically, I think what you should do is invest in my portfolio. The level of nuance that's involved in that is like, you should invest in it so long as you're able to like withstand the week that just happened where it's murder and like not sell anything. So long as you can have like, strong drawdowns and wait for things to like come back up so long as you dot 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 so long as you dot 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 right and and especially dave ramsey can't say that especially when he's being recorded now if he and i were sitting sipping on some japanese werski you know i'm saying he would probably say something a little bit different
0: you're saying um you you simplify because what you can't do in a five minute conversation with someone on the radio is figure out if they can withstand a 40% downturn in their portfolio, what their long-term strategy is, everything else. The psychology. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, like, I think there's a lot more positive. uh, There's a lot of positive coming out of that basic guidance. And uh, basically that's Although I've never thought of it in that manner. That's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities with my personal finance strategy in terms of like, I don't have any debt. I don't pay out. I don't have car loans and I don't have credit card debt and you know, those sort of things. Anyway, we can get off that. I just, I just was like totally captivated by it and thought it was really interesting. Um, and it's it's not Skippy Doogles, baby. It's just not. No. Oh, no, don't, don't come on here. Don't come on our show with that noise.
1: (laughs) What what you got in the fishbowl over there?
0: Well, uh, let's, you talked about investing in strategy. I mean, let's just go for that. You, you don't know it yet, but if you own any momentum funds, I think yours is all home-baked. But uh, the non-Dougal's home-baked momentum funds just did a massive shift of strategy, uh, pulling mm-hmm. out of healthcare and technology, things like Tesla, uh, and diving into basically commodities and financials, energy and financials, oil stocks like i own all the cheap stuff that i own so uh your strategy finally saw the light Douglas. they they finally got scared and uh they came over to the value side and now get ready you gotta make some money so last week i was up uh 2.07 it's a lot more than i was up i'll tell you i'll tell you, I'll tell you, that, I'll tell you that Oh yeah. Right
1: i was now. curious i thought you might oh it was it was uh what, what did my friend ja rule say it's murder. It was like, oh, it, so, it, was, it, was, it was so bad that it was, it was magical. We'll see. We'll see. There was a, there was a point where I think I've got, uh, I've got my wife looking at our stock portfolio too much. So I need to like delete apps off her phone. Cause there was literally a point, it was two days ago where I heard a scream. That was something like the comms. I was like, what? And she goes, Dexcom, Broadcom, all the comms
0: they're falling <laughs> it's like hey, oh man hold on if the wife's involved i mean are, do you guys have your own tiktok investors like uh that thing if 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 folks have not taken a scroll every three and a half weeks take a scroll to the tiktok investors it is uh it is brilliance dude well in, going back this is five or six episodes but we played a clip from this guy who only buys uh stocks that go up on margin and he was like bragging about how he's turning uh 500 bucks into like 20k well th- apparently according to the gossip they've like disappeared that they like can't be found is that true doodles i mean it's it's what it seems like so something <laughs> something's fishy on that side something did not quite go as planned i mean maybe they're just part of the buzz etf or the, maybe they're starting their own hedge fund or something Oh, did you see, uh,
1: did you see that, that Portnoy is now uh, celebrating, endorsing this Buzz ETF that launched on Thursday? Did you see that? Yeah, did you see the, the like three minute video? <laughs> can one see that video? Or can one <laughs> only live and feel that video? That's the question. All right, let's, uh, let's pop it in right now. Okay, if you know anything about me, you know if I'm standing in front of this water cooler, I have a big announcement to make and I do have a big announcement to make. This Thursday, on the New York Stock Exchange, there is a new ETF launching, a new ETF that I'm part of, that I'm putting my face behind, my reputation behind. Everything over the last 20 years, when I stand here and say, I believe in it, I believe in what we're doing, it's another one of those moments. The name of the ETF is Buzz, B-U-Z-Z, like stung, all right, like a i bee. B. I've been stung three times, I'm still here, I'm going to sting a lot more. Here's what it is. I got approached by these guys who built an algorithm. Five years ago, The algorithm was basically designed to scrape the Internet, social media and find positive sentiment on stocks. It kind of lingered, it kind of did its thing. And then what happened? DDDG happened. I happened. COVID happened. All of a sudden, the amount of chatter on the Internet about stocks exploded.: I mean, he marketing genius. Like he basically, my, my favorite thing, I think about this video is that he understands the both the marketing and the regulation so well that he doesn't even say the word etf like he he has a voiceover that says yeah. it that's not his own voice just so he can say i did not <laughs> say etf
0: <laughs> I mean it, the tweet did say etf so like um, i don't I don't, I, I don't know i don't know i don't know but so do you I, know I, the story the sur- short history with the buzz etf wait, are you coming um, with
1: historicals
0: I mean a little I'm gonna bit. I'm going to count this uh, as a Dougal's win. Got yeah, you on the history, you bro. So this uh the main guy behind this algorithm actually had a buzz ETF I think in 2013. Uh beat the streets, did everything else. I'll try to find his name cuz he's he seems like a good dude. Um and to be honest, when I was in business school in 2011, I was pitching this idea. Um I just am a loser who didn't get my act together, right? Like Were you really? I, yeah, so yeah. I knew um in the early days of twitter uh that there was something going on not necessarily you know this is not a value strategy by anything but i knew there should be some way to capture what people are effectively saying in a way that can be digitized rather than what people are saying in face-to-face conversations that you never had an eye to and uh bring some some investment methodology to that right yeah yeah makes so sense. This dude, uh, I think I actually think the algorithm started in, uh, like 2012, 2013, he had an ETF that was BUZ, just one Z and ran its course. Um, never really took off as desired, but a lot of that, I mean, a lot of this is why I don't necessarily want to manage money for other people because you have to deal with all the nonsense that comes with inflows and outflows and everything else. Like I think he always felt his strategy was still sound. He just didn't have the right marketing to make his previous ETF kind of take off and stick. So that's why I'm sure he played an active role in returning the Barstool guy and their marketing is much better. Now It's it has two Zs on the end. Um, and that, that's the, that's speak- the big innovation, people. That is the big innovation. Well, no, the three-minute video is the big innovation. So uh, this speaks a little bit to the bubble we've been talking about for a long time and everything else i mean i don't know why a guy that basically created a fan generated website how's the best way to describe barstool for those who don't know i mean it's it's basically like a a
1: media little like content engine right that supports um
0: irreverent behavior yeah right okay there we go so (laughs) i don't know how that guy became some investment sage who (laughs) I mean, anyone,
1: anyone, anyone, uh, that has a social media account and some, some wit
0: is an investment stage. Oh, great point. Yeah. Well, and he is marketing to the right audience. So if, if your people love sports gambling, then I think you can sell so-called investing. I'd call it speculating as like, uh, it's safer than sports gambling in my eyes. Right. So that's the perfect audience to sell it to. I mean, and especially when you look at like, uh, you know, the cryptos and everything, I mean, it's the equivalent of
1: you're just betting yeah. on something, doing something. Your time horizon might be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this thing, so this stuff. thing is like, it's 75 stocks, I think that are the most tweeted, yep. reddited, um, mentioned on uh stock twits, et cetera. I, I thought it was interesting because when I, when I looked at the holdings, I thought they were going to be a bit different than they are. One, I didn't realize that, uh, it has a, a minimum five billion dollar market cap yeah, on it, yeah. which knocks out like the AMC's and the game game stonks and all those of the world. So, like, it's number one holding. Do you know, do you know what the number
0: one holding of this thing is? No. Ford Motor Company. Well, so is that? Does it buy seventy five equal weighted? No, it's it's market cap weighted. If it's not market cap
1: weighted, it could be like mention weighted or like sentiment weighted or something like that. I don't know.
0: Ooh, interesting. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then it I it trades mean, out
1: on a monthly basis, I think, given. So people are talking about Ford right now. I mean, is this 1908? Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Exactly. I mean, I'm not
0: talking about Ford. Who's talking about Ford? Yeah, interesting. Um, it's not really my cup of tea, but maybe I'll take a look. Um, I kind of think about this as a, to
1: use a scientific phrase, a nothing burger a bit, <laughs> because it it sounds like it sounds all, you know, Portnoy, like sexy, like and whatnot and you expect to see like these meme stocks but then like i went on it and i was like these seem like randomly chosen stocks that someone mentioned on twitter like it, it doesn't it doesn't actually i don't really understand quite what the point is um but we'll see it apparently it outperformed the sp500 by 40 percent last year i mean uh, so i don't know what that means like <laughs> so i don't know what that means
0: yeah uh what <laughs> else is in the fishbowl
1: for you yeah um one one uh one piece of data That I thought was interesting going back to our conversation around inequality uh, that I'll I'll throw out. I don't know if you've seen this, but there are a couple actually two things that I saw. One was I was just perusing as one does through JP Morgan's latest quarterly um, like guide to investing. And they had this slide on there that was looking at the historic uh, change in wage growth and unemployment growth since 1970. So over the last 50 years, basically. Um, and it was interesting that there was, I saw this spike in wage growth. Um, and also, you know, obviously we had a spike in, in unemployment <clears throat> and I was just like, oh, that's kind of interesting because typically like I would expect wage, like, the two to, um, to go in the opposite direction. And so then I did a little bit more digging and found this other this other stat that is comparing uh, February 2020, like absolute aggregate wages in the U.S., to absolute aggregate wages uh, at the end of December, which is the last data point that we have through the BLS. Yeah. So in February of 2020, Americans earned 9- 9.66 trillion dollars in wages and salaries. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At the end of 2021, uh, Americans got to 9.67 trillion. Which so they're basically the same. It's like slightly above. The difference is that you have nine million fewer people working. Yes. And like that to me is telling because basically you're saying we can take 9 million people out of the economy, right? And the people that are left have wage increases such that you can slightly, but you can surpass like the wages that you had with those 9 million people in, which one to me tells me who those 9 million are that were pulled out. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't like, let's take all the Fortune 500 CEOs and have them lose their jobs, right? It's the, it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then two tells me uh, how aggressive, this, this is not a new realization, but how aggressive last year was in shifting more
0: wage to the people that were left. D- does that make sense? I, I've seen a lot of facts that bear that out. Um, basically... The people that were probably already at a disadvantage have been hit extra hard in in the COVID world, and uh, the people with higher paying corporate jobs typically haven't been impacted. And um, you know, I've seen that in my at my employer. I think it if people lost jobs, it was more frequently uh, the people at lower levels than the people at higher levels. Um, Bonuses seemed uh, solid. I mean, like, yeah, it was almost like it didn't affect the top earners in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's really, I don't know. It, it pulled on a little bit of the heartstrings, a little bit as
1: I was looking at that. Um, if we go, go back to the conversation we had um, around people in the country, independent of who those people are, right, feeling left out, and how that's led to a number of things over the past few years and like this is another group of people that we're not only like leaving out but but saying through economics our country's actually fine if we leave you out and we'll reward the people left in no one's saying that explicitly i'm just saying that like that's the that's what the numbers are bearing out and we cannot in order for our like you know democracy to stabilize
0: like we can't be having that so got to figure something out this is a tough this is a tough one to crack because It's just not fair what's happening, but there's no easy fix either, right? Um, A lot of this is not something that changes six months down the road, regardless of upskilling or or whatever, you know, like the people whose finances are good right now, their finances might be the best they've ever been because effectively they're taking PPP loans or stimulus checks that are nice to have, but they don't really need. And then the people on the flip side of that, it's the exact opposite. Their finances might be the worst they've ever been, right? You own a small business like a restaurant and you've been devastated or you happen to be unemployed because of COVID related stuff. I mean, it's not easy to find the next gig, right? Um, can, I, can I reach in? So somewhat
1: related, can I reach into the fishbowl and there are, there are like these three nuggets that are sitting in the fishbowl? That could be separate topics, but I'm going to try and Auntie Anne's pretzelize these things together
0: around that topic. Can, can you stay with me while we do this? Is this a possibility? I mean, I got a pretty good night's sleep, so I think I'll be able to stay awake for like the next five minutes as you make a fool of yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable, but
1: let's bring the inevitability to life, baby. All right. Okay. So here's the thing. Um, so we have, we have these folks that are the 9 million people, right? That are no longer part of, of that wage calculation. Yes. We've had the conversations about how um, more people, going back to, to your boy Chamath, how more people, uh, we need to get more people to participate in the capital markets, right? Let's make R is greater than G applicable for all, right? Yeah. Okay. And we just had the conversation about if you're, if you're telling your average investor what to invest in? It's gonna be some sort of a um, I say VTI you you have you know what what you have there, maybe global value or something else, but it's gonna be like a broad market index of some sort. oh yeah, and that you buy to and be clear,
0: uh, I never give investment advice, but hey, homies, if you want an unsophisticated investment strategy that is gonna delight, uh, check out wealthfront. The app is brilliant. and we talked a few weeks ago about uh, Joel Greenblatt and income
1: inequality and some ideas yep. he had. For My internet. boy. Okay. Yeah. Holler at your boy. Exactly. So now, here we go. I'm about to tie some stuff together. So one thing is, markets got hit. Yeah. Okay. Well, That's for scary. you, I'm up, baby. I'm putting the, the money over The here. markets. I'm not talking about individual, individual portfolios. Why you got to right. twist the knife? Why you got to twist the knife? <laughs> so the markets broadly got hit right? NASDAQ worse than others, but markets got hit. Markets get hit all the time. So just to, to keep people not scared, I'm going to drop this out. Keep, stay participating in the market. Since 1950, there have been 36 double-digit drawdowns. I'm just going to state that, that one fact. So people stay in the market. Okay. Also, individual investors are terrible at investing, yeah, I saw some stats. We we we've previously talked about that that some version of that chart that comes out every year. How institutional investors, professional investors, also not very good at investing. It seems like no one's actually very good at investing because individual investors. Um, I saw this report that was showing the uh, the average like equity fund investor. So this is just looking at mutual fund inflows and outflows. But yeah. if you look at it on through 2019. It looks like, on average, about 4 to 5% is how much the average uh, individual investor is lagging, like the S&P 500. And that's based, yeah, let me, just, let me jump in.
0: Is this the Dalbar study? It is. Okay, so so caveat, there's, the a lot, there's a lot of hot noise with uh, people, really smart people like Jason Swag at the uh, Wall Street Journal questioning that but but i don't i the general premise i mean so we won't get into the fat, actual exactly. details but the general premise is true people aren't great at picking individual stocks the large it, majority of people
1: if, if nothing else i love hot noise so yeah yeah let, let's just go with that methodology is what it is and this is just looking it's not even looking at individual stocks it's looking at um at at funds the the basis that they have is basically that uh, folks get in at, at the wrong times and get out at the wrong times is why well, Oh either. yeah, it's the yep. it's the buy high
0: sell low stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: But anyway, so let's just let's just take it as directional fact that folks cannot invest for themselves. Here's where here's where my craziness comes into play. And this is this is off the top of the kilters. So bear with it. I saw in the last couple of weeks there was something submitted to Congress on the House side that said they want to block individual members of Congress from buying individual investments, right? You see this? No. You didn't see this? I'm laughing though, no. Okay. So basically it was, there was a bill put out because people on both sides of the aisle going from like uh, Kelly Loeffler to uh, Nancy Pelosi to whoever, number 369, right? On the House of Representatives. They've you know, over the last forever have basically, there are things that come out that say like, you're trading Tesla and you're making millions of dollars and you're trading, right? So there was this oh. bill that was put out that said, if you are in Congress, you are no longer allowed to buy individual investments, right? When I first saw this, when I first saw this, I was like, I could see where there's a conflict of interest, like maybe that makes sense. And then I kind of put it aside. What I'm thinking now, though, could be interesting. Bear with me. I know you're, you're trying to say something double Dutch. I see you, but bear with me for one moment. One thought I just had that could potentially tie together, let's get more people participating in the overall market. Individuals can't pick their own stuff. So likely, you should be investing in broad markets. Is what if you tax the Congress people differently? Allow them to invest in individual individual stocks, but you tax it differently such that the excess tax that would come from their, their sales would then be used to fund broad market indices for people that are not invested in the overall stock market. Are you am I, are you following me or am I am I going? If I'm SpongeBob SquarePants or Dougal's Crazy Pants. Where,
0: where do you think I am on that spectrum? All right, well, I think I missed one premise. I mean, not allowing people to buy individual stocks is is a stupid idea, but let's put that aside for a second. Well, hold on, uh, we shouldn't. Let's come, let's come back to it though. Let's come back to it. Okay, let's come back to it. You're talking 600 people total? Roughly. So these that there's some people of money there, and there's some people that are pretty average Joe folks, right? Uh, tax rates on about 600 folks unless they're the wealthiest 600 folks in the u.s aren't really moving the needle to shift some funds downstream if that's what you're going for that's my main challenge to your premise here well so you're bringing math into this (laughs) unfortunately i'm trying to bring aspiration (laughs) no could you imagine people on both ends of the spectrum like just being so upset like Oh, I can't believe I'm given $10 to this person who could really use it over here. Like the injustice of taxing me that way. Can not you this? There's no way this would ever work. But yeah, I, I was I tell you what, man,
1: I saw I'm gonna be honest. I saw glory. I dusted off my soapbox.
0: I jumped on it. And I was vulnerable for a moment. <laughs> oh, and I, I didn't give you a soft landing there, did I? That's soft landing. <laughs> No, that's right, though. That that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you go back to the Greenblatt stuff from his common sense book, just it's it's along the same lines, right? Like, just let people who have money to burn invest above current tax uh, caps and take a tax percentage on that. That's a little higher than average, but would still be a win win for all parties involved. Throw some of that cash back downstream. I mean, I just love the win 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 scenarios in business and life and everything else. Yeah, you, you yeah. called it nonsense and it was nonsense, but I tried I tried to go there. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Can we
1: can we skirt back to the uh, the individual investment ban and uh, and your
0: your calling out of that? Yeah, please. I mean, so so I just get so frustrated. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Jim O'Shaughnessy and Jamie uh, Catherwood, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, the finance history guy. And O'Shaughnessy was so fired up. This is actually from a couple of years back when- uh, This is Papa
1: O'Shaughnessy, right?
0: Papa, yeah. Uh, When people were all hot against buybacks. And so they they did all this stuff about buybacks have been going on since uh, 1604 in the Netherlands and everything else. You know, like basically people get so lost in the fact that owning a share of a company is owning a business. No one would tell you that there should be restrictions on starting a small business out of your garage. Like no one on any side of the political aisle would tell you that, right? What Yeah, that's might, or or (laughs) zone regulators. Oh, there you go with your logic. Uh, No one would tell you when you start that small business and it starts to take off and you have five grand from Uncle Joe that you can't be smart about how you pay Uncle Joe back or when Uncle Joe, you know, like it... It's all the same thing. It's just on a much larger scale. So I don't understand why there's this hatred or fear or whatever with allowing people to own businesses they choose and allowing those businesses to redistribute capital in a way that makes sense. It's, it's conflict of interest. If, if you're I voting, if
1: you're voting on laws that can uh, influence your investments, they're saying oh. you should not be allowed to. To Like, if, uh, if I'm going to say, I'm going to put, you know, my $10 million into Tesla, and then next week, I'm going to vote yes on a bill that gives tax subsidies to companies that create electric batteries, right? Yeah, like th- that's, that's where it's saying you should not be allowed to buy Tesla.
0: So sorry, my rant was more general. Now let's dive into to Congress specifically. Yes, I, I can see that point. But that doesn't go away when you tell someone they can only buy a mutual fund, because you know what they're going to buy? The mutual fund that it invests in um, batteries for cars. Yeah. And but then that, they're going to pass the same laws, you know, the dilution there though, is like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a little it's bit, not, different. it's, it's, it's different, not, it's not I hear you. I hear but, you. But yeah, I, I guess I like that at least people are thinking about that because I don't think people have realized how much insider trading is happening with political knowledge in the past, but that happens at the state level, I would argue. Yeah. And they're going to um, figure it out. If you're about to put $10 million in Tesla, you're going to figure out how to get $10 million in Tesla. I mean, it's,
1: it's, like, it's, it's going to happen one way or the other. Yeah. Blind trust or something. But, so, I mean, would you be in favor of that? I, I, when, I, when I first looked at it, I can think about it a little bit more. When I first looked at it, I was net in favor. I think the conflict of interest feels pretty, pretty real. And even in the world of, um, I think generally an argument that says, well, people are going to do it anyway, isn't a good reason to not do something. Like, I just made that argument. Right. Um, and I think generally speaking, mostly because I feel like the behavior that I've seen happen in Congress and the people that have been coming into Congress recently just feel so much more self-serving than than like previously. And so I, I think I kind of am. I don't know if it's like a permalaw. Right. But it feels like a correction that might be necessary now.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd love a breakdown on like how many members of Congress make a significant portion of their income from investments because I think it's a pretty small group. I mean, I would push back. I'm sure there's an individual or two that started a company that turned into the next hot thing that became a leader in their community because of their relationship to that company that they own and rode that up to Congress and to tell them that they built this with their blood, sweat, and tears, and then you have to sell. Just no, to serve your country. So, so, to be fair, that's not what the bill says. Who knows what it's going to look like in the end? Yeah, you
1: you can't buy like so. You can't buy and sell while you're in. You can hold. Ooh,
0: okay. I'm, right? I mean, I think I'm yeah. more and in so favor you, of that.
1: I think it's it says something like I'm going to get the days wrong, but it's something like in your first 60, 90, or hundred twenty days, or something like that. Right? You can you can feel free to sell anything you have then, but after that point, you can't sell. So then you just have
0: to hold. Um, do um do you you know how like CEOs and stuff um, have to be careful about when they buy and sell. And typically they say, yep. I'm going to sell this like three months in advance. Yep. Like, I mean, are those rules already in place for members of Congress? Because if so, I don't think I would be. Know. if you have to say something's happening in three months. I think that cuts out the, a lot of the noise. Um, yeah, I
1: don't know. That's interesting. I have no idea. Um, I mean, we 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 don't have to talk, I guess, too much about the political side of it. I thought it, I thought it was interesting, you know, tying it into the the investment side. But then I, you know, well, actually, I didn't do anything. You put my foot in my mouth, and <laughs> I'm not going to call it disrespect, but you know, listen. I mean, make their own choices. Yeah.